Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Are you ready to study? Did you bring your Bibles with you today? Show me if you brought your sword with you today. Lift it up. Come on. All right. You guys came prepared. Everyone's got their swords. Men in the top, you got a sword with you? If not, just come on down and get around one of these other lions. They'll, they'll hook you up. They'll hook you up. It's all good. It's all good. Okay. I've entitled the message, Your New Story. Your New Story. A couple questions for you. What day is it today? That's right. What do we do about it? I like how most of the, the energy is coming from the front row. So if you guys need to catch some of that, just come a little come a little closer if you need some of that anointing. It's all up in here, okay? Uh, yes, it is. And, um, you know, Stephen reminded me today, this morning, he said, is also what, Stephen? It's game day, baby. It's game day. It's game day, Dave. Are you in the game? Yeah. Come on. You're here. You made it right on. Good to see you, brother. Happy New Year. All right. So watch as we're about to close the chapter in one season and enter into a new chapter that God is calling us into. A new chapter, a new page where God wants us, yes, to live life in discovery, not just recovery. Come on. He wants us to discover new beginnings. He wants us to discover a fresh start, and he wants us to discover 2024, which is going to be the year of more. Oh, yeah, we want more blessings, but it's also going to come with more battles. (laughs) But that also means more breakthrough. More breakthrough. Someone say more breakthrough. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you remind us that you can't be be a man of victory without a battle. Right? You can't win unless you go to war. So good job not sleeping in today on the battle, man. Thanks for getting up. But what if this this year could be the year of God doing more than you could ever hope, imagine, or dream of, but according to his power that is at work within you? I believe that God wants to grow our capacity when it comes to collaboration in his mission. I'll say that again. I believe that God wants to grow our capacity when it comes to a culture of collaboration. That means us coming together in his mission, which is the great commission. Not the mediocre commission. The great, thanks for laughing, Rick. The great commission. It starts, though, with how we treat those that are closest to us. The truth is our stories are all connected. And watch, there will be a wake of success through the storms. But not the way that the world would view success. Jesus said, just as you do to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do to me. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and then say all things. All these things will be added unto us. And if you read Matthew 6, it talks about, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Why do you worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat? Come on, God's going to take care of those things. He's going to meet all of your needs. And it won't be what we just do in public, man. 
that'll get rewarded. It'll be what we do and how we act in private. It won't be flashy. It won't be trendy. But it will remain timely. It'll have an eternal impact on the lives of those closest to us. And maybe not even those closest to us, but those that we come in contact with along the way. You'll find godly success behind the scenes. And I think that's worth writing down because I don't think I put that in your notes. You will find godly success behind the scenes. Check this out. In Matthew 6, 2 to 4 of the message says this. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You'll see them in action, and I'm sure, I'm sure play actors, I call them, treating prayer meetings and street corners like they're a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly. This is the way of your Lord who conceived you in love. Say in love. Working behind the scenes helps you out. That's in the message. Men, will you keep your eyes on Jesus as you step into 2024? Will you follow him through the storm? We can overcome the waves if we stay in his wake. Are you with me? We can overcome the waves if we stay in his wake. What has already been written is in the heavens. Wouldn't you like to act it out on this earth? I know I do. I want to be the man that God has designed me to be, created me to be, and has written for me to be. I don't want to show up in heaven one day and then open up this book that talks about the life I could have lived, should have lived. I want to live that life so that one day I can stand before my Lord and Savior and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. But I tell you, it won't be all the things I do on the stage. It will be the things that I do behind the scene. How I treat my wife, how I treat my kids, how I treat those that are closest to me. These three will remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Love. So let's open up God's word today. And we're going to take out our pens and we're going to begin to write down God's purpose and plans for our lives as we step into 2024, the year of more. You got your pens out? You got your paper out? One person? Two? two? All right. If you got it, say aye. All right, good stuff. So we're going to do a snapshot. You know how I like to do snapshots before we go into the written letter um, here in First Peter. That's where we're going to go. This is a snapshot. I, I prepared some space for you to take some notes this morning to give you a little bit of clarity. So Peter was commi- commissioned, and he commissioned this letter that we are about to read, and it was composed by uh, Silvanus. Now, he was a co-worker of Peter. So yeah, these are Peter's words, and his co-worker is writing them down. Peter was first known as Simon. 
And it wasn't until he became a follower of Jesus, and he was one of the 12 disciples, that his name would change. And his name changed in a moment of time when he got a revelation. And he made the confession that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus changed his name to an Aramaic word that is kapaeus, meaning rock. In Greek, translated to Petros or Peter. You with me? Good stuff. Jesus said Peter would become a leader among the apostles to guide the Messianic community in Jerusalem. Messianic being related to the Messiah, and we are all part of God's family, drafted into his kingdom, by the way, also meaning believers inspired by hope or belief in the Messiah. That's what Messianic means. If you're going to throw a word around, make sure you know what it means. It also means passionate and devoted followers of Jesus. Messianic. Are you messianic? Yes or no? Some of you don't know how to ask. Are you passionate and are you a devoted follower of Jesus? Yes or no? Are you grafted into his family and part of his kingdom? Yes or no? Okay, good. Eventually, Peter would carry the good news of Jesus, the gospel, beyond the walls of the Israelites and then out into the Roman Empire to the rest of the Gentiles, which were everyone else that isn't an Israelite. The letter was written decades into his mission and into this Roman world. Peter is in Rome, which he calls Babylon. Check this out. Babylon means any corrupt nation. Anyone know what it's like to be in Babylon? Come on. Don't tell me you, you, you don't feel like you're in Babylon right now, like our nation hasn't been corrupt. For real. But the church's plan A, there is no plan B. It's our job to deliver the good news. And I'm going to tell you again, what feels like a setback has always been a setup. Your light shines the brightest in the darkest places. And I'm going to show you how your suffering is actually a setup to show God's success. Peter wrote this letter to encourage them in the midst of their suffering because they were being persecuted. They were facing harassment and hostility from the Greeks. Throughout the chapter, there's this. It starts off with the greeting. Then it goes into a song of praise that introduces the key themes. And these are in your notes, which you can write down. First, new family identity. New family identity. Identity, helping them see that their suffering is a way to bear witness to Jesus. Okay, you're part of this family. The next is suffering as a witness for Jesus. You're part of the family. Guess what? You get to suffer for a cause. But it will come with an even greater reward. The greater the resistance, the greater the reward. I don't know if you figured that out just yet. If you're doing it God's way. If you've got that revelation you know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that all things will work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Finally, suffering but future hope. Come on. Suffering and future hope. 
Peter refers to them as a chosen, that they are chosen and that they are also exiled. He refers to the Old Testament description of Abraham and Israel and how God chose the people of Israel, the family of Abraham, who are also in exile and also wandering. There's times when you may feel that you are in exile. There's times that you may feel that you are a wanderer. He repeats this throughout the whole letter. Why? Because he wants these suffering Christians to see that through Jesus, we now belong to the new family of Abraham. A new story, say a new story, a new story is being written. We may, we may be wandering around and misunderstood at times and even mistreated as we are looking for God's promise in our life, our promised land. Peter reminds us that we are born again into a living hope through Jesus' resurrection by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we got new hope, new identity, and new family. Say it with me. New hope, new identity, new... One more time. New hope, new identity, new... Right on. We can see how life's suffering can burn away false hope and reveal our true home and our true hope. I'll say that again. We can see how that false suffering can burn away false hope, things we've leaned into, things we've held on to. Oh, my job, my finances, this relationship. It'll burn away things and it will reveal what is truly God and what is not. It's called the refiner's fire. You with me? It's kind of a a paradox. Well, it actually is a paradox. Life's hardships were actually designed to deepen our faith. How bad do you believe in this thing? What will you be willing to suffer through to get to what God is calling you to? Because remember, that word suffering in, in the Latin word means passion. That's true passion. Because of the joy set before Christ, he was able to endure the cross. That's the first time it was used. Because of his passion. Peter goes on to how we need to leave behind the former way of life and into a new future, much like the Israelites left Egypt. A new exodus. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb, the Passover lamb. A new covenant. Restoring our hearts. And we have this new temple. And we are new priests. It places their suffering as a way to bear witness to the world. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought of your suffering as a means to bear witness to the world of how good our God is? Can other people still find in you the fruits of the Spirit when you're going through the storm? Do they see joy in you? Love? Peace? Patience? Kindness? Goodness? Faithfulness? Gentleness? Hey, self-control? Can you bear witness to self-control when everything else is coming at you? So we're going to start study the part where, where, where Peter calls on the leaders in the church. You men. To care for those that are suffering and to follow Jesus and show the same kind of servant leadership that Jesus did to his followers. And remind us that the war is spiritual and we need to stay faithful. 
We need to remind ourselves that we're not at war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and the spirit. Yo, you're my brother. I don't war against you. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. A negative thought comes into your head, tell it where to go. If a good thought comes in your head, let it take root. Take that one captive. So let's go into 1 Peter 5. We're going to read all of it. It's 14 verses. We're going to start with the men online. All right, let's start with uh, verse 2, if you would. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. That's a mouthful. There's a lot in there. Um, First point I got is my story will be about a shepherd eager to serve. I don't know about you, but in writing my story, I want to be known as a shepherd eager to serve. You know, having the right attitude will give you the right alignment. It's always been a heart thing, right? It's always a matter of the heart. You know, when this word came to me, it was actually 3.33 this morning. And I had to make a note of that. At 3 a.m. this morning, 3.33, the Lord reminded me is the right attitude will show the right alignment. The right attitude will show the right alignment. And we're all called to be shepherds of God's flock. But the question is, who's under your care? It starts with your home, with your kids, with your wife. And we know that Jesus is the good shepherd and that we follow and obey his teachings as we teach others. We also must reflect his character of the good shepherd. Pastors are also shepherds of God's flock as they pastor the people. Our connect group leaders are shepherding. They're shepherding those that they disciple and I disciple them who disciple others. And Jesus had many followers, but he only had 12 disciples. Again, it's a position of the heart. Are we willing? Say, I'm willing. I'm willing. We must remind ourselves who we're doing it for and why we are doing it. And we are eager to serve not for our personal gain, but for God's. And we must remind ourselves that Jesus is not a stepping stone. He's the cornerstone. As shepherds, we know that the church isn't about what we can get, but what we can give. 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11, each of you should use whatever gift that you have received to serve others. As faithful servants of God's grace in various forms, do not be Slothful in zeal. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Mark 10.45 For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Galatians 5.13 For you were called to freedom, brothers. What were you called to? Freedom. Braveheart moment. Only do not 
use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In 1 Peter 5, verse 5, it says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you, says all of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. My New Year's story is written with humility and with honor. All of our stories should be written with humility and honor. God's favor is on the humble. And I'd say a lot of us get humbled by default. (laughs) But God has a design. If we look to him. If we do it his way. It says, younger, submit yourself to your elders. We have elders of the faith in the church and in our movement. And submission comes before succession. If it's not in your notes, it's worth writing down. Submission comes before succession. It's not just submitting once. It's submitting when you don't feel like doing it. It's easy to submit to the things you want to do. Trust me, I have five kids. But submission always comes before succession. It means getting under the person's mission. Our mission is the Great Commission. To make disciples, baptizing and teaching others to obey Jesus' commands. We do this by reaching, we do this by teaching, and we do this by mobilizing the army of God. We are raising up a next generation of young believers. And I want to brag on our family ministry right now. In this house, they're called lit leaders in training. But I want to brag on the leaders of the leaders. Coach Delton, who's watching from home right now, his lovely wife, Coach Kat, and also Coach Rodney. Where are you? Behind the camera right now. Disciples, discipling, disciples that are making disciples. For real. I'm telling you, it's an agricultural paradigm. What's coming? Yeah, sure, I'm excited about 2024, but I'm excited about 2020, uh, uh, 30. Five years, watch what happens three to five years from now. They're starting to graduate already. My son, 17, Aiden. Logan, 14. Where are we going to be three to five years from now if they're already getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning, reading their Bibles, getting in the Word of God, feeding themselves and feeding others? They're not afraid of discipline. And they have a will to do it. I don't force them to do that. They have a heart to do that. These guys are on fire for Jesus. These lit. And I would say that our kids' ministry has the greatest culture of humility and honor in our church. And it starts with our leadership. And it trickles down not just to the lit. Do you know they have what's called junior lit? Isn't that right, Jeremy? And one of our greatest influencers and servers are, are, are doing just that right now. They're serving behind the scenes. We've got these little kids that are ministering to little kids, like elementary kids, 
ministering to toddlers because they're getting ministered to by their teenage people they look up to. Are you with me? It's beautiful. It's something to be proud of. As a father in this house, it's something for you to be proud of. As an uncle in this house, it's something for you to be proud of. There's discipleship going on in this house right here, right now. Discipleship is not a program where you check A to B, take six weeks and go on your way. Discipleship is life, doing life together. It's covenant. It's through the highs and the lows. Is it not, James? That's discipleship. It's getting into God's word and applying it to your life. You're never going to get this whole thing in your lifetime. I'm sorry to say that. You're never going to fully get God's word and fully understand all that he is and all that he has in this lifetime. It's an ongoing process. But we all, in some way or another, are shepherds. Then verse 9, it says, resist him. Resist who? Just making sure. Resist, say, the devil. The devil. Resist the devil. Stand firm in your faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Does it not feel like sometimes you're the only one suffering? <laughs> like, whoa, it was me. It's like Elijah when he ran to the cave, right? And he, and he left his servant behind and he decided to go alone. Big mistake. And he ran to a cave and the Lord says, what are you doing here? And he says, I'm the only one. He says, no, you're not. I've reserved thousands of prophets that I've set aside. You're not the only one. Go back. Go back. But sometimes it feels like, it doesn't mean it is, but it feels like we're the only ones suffering. Verse 10 says, And the God of all grace, I love that, all grace, who called you, yes, he called you, to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, steadfast. That's his promise. Sure, we all got problems, but we got bigger promises. His promise is bigger than my problem. (laughs) Come on. In my story this year, and I believe in yours, you'll read about a man who stood firm in his faith. A man who wasn't afraid to resist the devil. A man who, although underwent suffering, experienced great success. For my story and your story is written on the firm foundation of faith. Resistance will bring great reward. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Where do you need to resist the devil? If you are to go into 2024, the year of more. If this is your countdown to letting go, what do you need to let go of? So you can receive what it is that God has for you. Be the man that he's called you to be. The husband he's called you to be. The father that he's called you to be. And not just for your own kids, but for those that are looking up to you, that are watching you how you react, how you respond, especially in the midst of your pain, your suffering, and things that are outside your control. Be strong, be firm, and steadfast in your faith.
takeaway is my New Year's story will be for his glory. And you'll find it under generosity and love. Would you stand to your feet, men? Lord, we thank you again for your word today. We thank you that it breathes life to us, that it it calls us out, that it challenges us. It reveals the things that are inside our heart. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit, the spirit of conviction, which guides us in a loving way, not in a a condemning way. And I pray for, for boldness for these men as they step into 2024, the year of more. Boldness in you, faith in you, that they would resist the devil They'd stand firm in their faith. That they would see who it is that you have called them to be and who they are becoming. Lord, we lay our lives down before you. We worship, we praise, and we honor you. And we thank you for the storms that reveal our Savior. Amen. If you're here today, men, or you're listening online or you're joining us and you don't yet have a relationship with God, I want to give you that opportunity right here, right now. And Paul said in in Romans 10 verse 9 that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing that God the Father raised his son from the grave, that we will be saved. That's the biggest thing that we need saving from is ourselves. We know that the, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. We sin daily. We sin in our thoughts and not just in our actions. We look at, we lust after things in earn of God. And we need to lay our lives down and repent. And if we do so that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. Isn't that beautiful? All of it. I want to lead you through a prayer to do just that this morning. I'm going to ask that we all pray it together. If you haven't prayed this prayer, or maybe you're coming back, because you're coming back moment, just always pray this prayer with your whole heart. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for showing me what it means to be a man. and laying your life down for others. I want to be like you. I want to move like you. I want to act like you. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. I believe. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave three days later. Come into my heart and be Lord over my life. Jesus' name. Amen. Just stay in the moment. If you would, eyes closed in the moment. But if three things. One, if God's word spoke to you today in relevance to, again, what you're going through or what you believe you're called to, his word, not mine, would you just put your hand up right now and say, God's word spoke to me today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And the next question is this. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you're coming into a relationship with Jesus before coming into the new year, would you do me a favor? Just put your hand up right now and say, that's me, Pastor. Thank you. And finally, if this is your 
reset your comeback moment. You're coming back to him. You be honest with yourself that you haven't been putting him first. You haven't been putting him as Lord over your life. You haven't been standing firm in your faith, in your relationship with him. But today's your comeback moment. We just put your hand up in the air right now. So that's me, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm told that we got water in this stage. <laughs> and at College Street, we don't make it difficult for those that are coming to know the Lord. And we are commissioned in that great commission that I talked about to go into all the world making disciples. And part of that process is baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teaching others to obey His commands. And surely He is with us always, even to the ends of this age. So if you're ready to step up and step in with God this morning, just come forward. For Romans, it says when you go in the water, that you are buried with Christ. It represents when Christ went to the grave. When you come up out of the water, it says that you are resurrected with Christ when he came out of the grave. Funny enough, Peter even uses that reference. In 1 Peter, he talks about how, how Noah and his family were saved even though they went through the water. They were saved. And he uses that as a reference of baptism. Don't sink. <laughs> be saved. Step in with God. Be all in with God. Let's continue to worship God. You know the drill. I'll be down there. And um, yeah, if you have more questions about that or you need prayer for anything, just come forward as we worship God together. Thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.